I'm so thankful for our team. And uh, in, just in case you're wondering or not, I know there's a lot of controversy about that, but this, but we love women in ministry because they have a great voice, a strong, uh, you know, uh, contribution to us in ministry. There are a lot of women. I just can't even, I don't even know what we would do without the ladies that serve ministry here, brothers. We give them, give them a big, um, big thank you. And you know, there's something interesting about the New Testament. When you read through the book of Acts, it's interesting how many times they shared a meal together. And that was kind of common, that there was, there's something about sharing a meal with one another. And so we, we kind of launched this this year. Let's, let's, let's spend the money on us coming together and sitting around a table and opening up our hearts and conversations to one another because there's something about worshiping through fellowship and worshiping one-on-one. And so that's why we're doing these uh, worship nights, and we've added this meal. This is really what good communion is all about. And it gives us an opportunity to remember our covenant with Jesus and our covenant with one another. Amen? So sign up and come to it. And um, it also is kind of helpful for when you've got to work all day and, you don't, and you're rushing trying to get here at night. And so we want to help you with that. Everybody, last week, speaking of our team... Last week, Landon launched this new series called Nations and Neighbors, and um, he did a great job on this. One of the things that Landon said last week, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you again, is that there are the inklings of revival that we are praying and believing God that are going to sweep across the nation, maybe even across the globe. And uh, you guys are, many of you that know the Lord and love the Lord, you're aware of this. And he made this statement last week that revival is when the Spirit of God shows up to ignite a fire in people, which then accelerates and moves those people towards the mission of God. Do you remember him sharing that last week? And which is really, really good. And, um, you know, and I want to just amplify this a little bit. And I want to talk to you uh, today some about that mission, that, that, that mission of God. What is the mission? And, and just in case you, you may not be aware, the mission that is this assignment that God has given to his people. We are the people of God. And it's great to be saved, but there's other people that need the Lord. And so that mission is to love God and love the nations. That mission is to love God and love our neighbors. It's a twofold mission. And this is why we're talking about these things. And and, and last week he talked about how that when the uh, early church was birthed on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the initial outpouring of the Sp- Holy Spirit, which was a result or at least predicted by the prophet Joel. And there were 120 followers that were in the upper room obeying the Lord who told them to wait until you receive power from on high. And they waited for days and then... And then a wind blew and, and the fire fell and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Acts chapter 2. He gave us a little plug. I'm going to give it, uh, give it again. This summer, our summer series is going to be studying through the book of the Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. That's going to be our s- summer series. Really looking forward to that. Um, they were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, which was the last day of the, of the festival of weeks. 
And so it was the 50th day, Pente 50, it was the 50th day of these 49 days that was, which made up the festival of weeks. And people came to Jerusalem from all around, Jews, they, they made a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem on the holiday, and this was a big holiday. So there were people that had filled the city. They say that the city would balloon up sometimes to seven to ten times over the population of the city. So you can imagine Murfreesboro just getting seven or ten times bigger than it is. There would be people everywhere. I'm talking about people sleeping out in the pastures, people sleeping underneath trees, and it just filled up everywhere. It'd be like a, you know, it would be like a hotel owner's dream, right, everybody? And so, so they filled up, and when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the 120, they, uh, that anointing spilled off into the streets, and they were sharing their faith in Jesus, and they were, they were prophesying, and they were preaching, and they were praying, and they, they were so moved. Listen, they went from being huddled up in fear so they were huddled up in fear, and they went from being huddled up in fear to being fired up and in the streets. Huddled up in fear in the closet to fired up, you know, and bold in the streets. And it's amazing because just days before, they are avoiding the crowd. They don't want to be identified with Jesus because they don't want to be arrested. They don't know what's going to happen with them. And so they are avoiding the crowd. They don't want to be recognized. And now they're praying, praising, prophesying, and thousands of people are coming to Jesus. This is incredible, the outpouring of the initiating of the, of, the, of the church. The Spirit awakened in them something that connected with the mission. The mission to love God, to love the, nation, neighbor, the nations, and love their neighbors. Peter, think about this, everybody. So Peter... Um, who's a great man of God, he, just days before, uh, the apostle Peter is weeping bitterly because he promised the Lord, he gave him his word, I would never deny you. Others might, oh no, not me. And Jesus said, well, I'm praying for you because the, the, the enemy's gonna sift you, but I'm praying that your faith won't fail. And so he went from from denying, disappointing the Lord and weeping over that when you, you remember whenever the rooster crowed, he had already denied the Lord three times. And so now Peter has also been filled with the Holy Spirit and he, he didn't have a microphone, but he, but he grabbed his microphone, everybody, and he starts preaching on the streets of Jerusalem and he was saying, that these, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, the streets are filled. These people aren't drunk. This is, this is the answer to the prophecy that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he began talking about Jesus. He's, he's, he said these words, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. People of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful signs and miracles and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handled, handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on the cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet all of this was, pre, was God's predetermined plan. So Peter came to believe, that's in the Passion 
translation, by the way, Peter came to embrace this full plan, this mission that that he, at one time, he's like, oh, no, you're not going to the cross. Remember, he pulled out a dagger and he cut it off a guy's ear. He's like, we're not going to let you get arrested. But now he's got this revelation by the Spirit. This was God's plan. And him being crucified, you, you crucified him, him died. But, the, but Peter said, but the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And so the Father raised him from the dead. And then you know what he said, everybody, on that day of Pentecost? He said, and we are witnesses of that. Hello, he said, we are, and we witness that, that he is alive. We have stories to tell. And what the scripture tells us that, that those early spirit-filled believers, they spent hours and hours out there, not just one sermon, but they spent hours telling their stories and their encounters with Jesus. And many people rejected but thousands accepted. And the acceleration of the church was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to do it again and again and again. And we want to be that combustible material that catches fire and ignites so that he can do it again through us, everybody. Somebody give me an amen, would you please? It's very interesting to me that God's, that the Great Commission is to go into all the world, go to every nation, and, and tell them the good news, and baptize them, right? And make disciples out of every nation. It's very interesting, interesting to me on the day of Pentecost that there, the nations were represented in the streets of Jerusalem. Interesting, everybody, because... People had come from all of these surrounding nations. You know, I have a list for you. There were, there were, there were people there from, north, from the northeastern and northwestern parts of Iran. Now, I'm just overlaying modern-day geography today. There were people there from central Turkey and from southern Turkey along the coastal areas of the Black Sea. There were people there from different Roman uh, cities in the empire. There were Egyptians that were there. There were people from other parts of northern Africa, including Libya, in that area. They were there. There were people, there were Arabs that were there from all around the Middle East. So many nations were represented, and they heard the witness of Jesus, who once was alive and died, and now he's risen again. And many of those people from those nations, they believed and were saved and were baptized and they brought the kingdom and the gospel back to their nations. It wasn't just the nations that were represented there. Those disciples, that 120 were there, a lot of their neighbors were there. People that they recognized, people that they knew, and people that they were afraid of. But they are there also now. And now they are boldly, because, they, because of the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, they are sharing what they witnessed to the neighbors and to the nations. I think this is a prophetic image of, of our mission, that God has called us to reach those who are near and those who are far. And some are going to come to us, and some we are going to go to them. But we must awaken, we must awaken to the call of God.
The church can't sleep through this. <clears throat> All right. I have to be calm because I have been speaking for two days and this is day three and my voice is a little weak. But I'm just fired up, everybody. God has a plan. And I'm telling you, there are times whenever the Lord just speaks so clearly and he confirms it. One of the big things that the Lord spoke to me to share with you guys through this series is that it's time for us to awaken to the call of God. Awaken to the mission God has before us. In fact, that is, a, that is so stirring. I was praying into this at 4.30 this morning. And I'm believing that God is going to help us. I know we spent two days here talking about marriages and how, you know, for you to build intimacy and come together as a team. Don't be distracted from the mission. When God, God puts you together for a purpose, and that purpose is to advance the kingdom of God together. Come on, everybody. The gates of hell will not stand against the advancing of the kingdom of God. And this morning, I, as the Lord spoke to me and said, we are, going to, we, we are going to wake up to the mission that God has called us and not sleep through this. I walked in, and there's a brother here that walked up to me and interrupted me visiting or talking to one of my staff members and said, I got to talk to you. Do you have a couple of minutes? I'm like, sure. He pulls me to the side. He says, this morning the Lord spoke to me. And, he's, and he asked me these quest, this question. I'm going to ask it to you. I'm going to give it to you just like it was given to me. If you woke up tomorrow morning, if you awakened tomorrow morning and somebody had deposited $10 million in your bank account, miraculously it just showed up. This is what this brother sharing with me this morning. He said, uh, how would you feel about that? And he asked me, I'm like, I'd be kind of happy. I was kind of hoping this was going somewhere. <laughs> I've had some big offerings, but come on, man. And uh, he said, okay, so think about it this way. If you woke up tomorrow morning, or, or if you woke up tomorrow morning and 10 million was in your bank account, how would you feel? I'm like, I'd be excited. Okay, let's say the money was deposited, but instead of waking up tomorrow morning, you didn't wake up. How would you feel? Well, the money's in the account, but I didn't wake up. And he said, I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. And I said, I know why. Because there's something greater of greater value that's in your account right now. And we need to wake up. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Oh, no man, oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder. Do not steal, do not covet. And if there are any other commandments, then there are. They are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love does no, does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So strong words here. Oh, no man nothing. In other words, pay off your debts. <coughs> Pardon me, just a second. Love is a fulfillment of the law. How can that be? I want you to think about just the Ten Commandments, everybody. The first four commandments, they have everything, with about, everything to do with making God a priority. Have no other gods before me, right? Keep the Sabbath, right? And so the first four is everything about our relationship with God. You know the next six? They have everything with how we treat one another. How we treat our neighbors. How we treat people. And there's the list. You know, he just mentions it. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. All these things that the law warned against. And there was punishments established by this. Why, why is that? Was, 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 was God just wanting to be mean? Was God just wanting to find us doing something wrong so he could punish us? The heart behind the law was for us to have a good life. Do you know we wouldn't have a good life if we had a breakout of adultery in this room right now? We would have heartache and misery and broken families. We wouldn't have a very good life if someone was murdered here today. And we don't have a good life when we lie to one another. And we don't have a good life when we covet. And so when we are motivated by love to do good to one another and to our neighbors, then we are fulfilling the law because the whole heart behind the law was for us to treat people like we wanted to be treated, to love people the way that we wanted to be loved. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, if you love your neighbor <coughs> as yourself, then you will fulfill everything that was in the law because God is for people. He is for you to have a relationship with him and everybody else to have a relationship with him and for you to love and enjoy the relationship that you have with God vertically and with one another. Are you with me, everybody? And there is this amazing um, royal law that Jesus gave that not just did he teach it in the Gospels, but through the other New Testament epistles, we see it repeated over and over that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And now Paul is repeating what Jesus taught in Romans 13, verse 11. And do this because, and we do this, love our neighbor, fulfill the law, because we know the time. And that that time or that hour is already here for us. It's here for us. It's time for us to awake for, from our sleep. 
Did anybody listen to me? Now, I've learned this a long time ago. When a prophetic word is given, in the timing that is given, that confirms the verse or the, the essence of what I'm sharing, that we are in a moment when God is speaking to us, and I am saying to you with no doubt, this is a prophetic message for you and me. We're sitting in this room. It's confirmed this is from God. It is time to wake up, to realize the time. The time of being babyfied, the time of struggling with sin, the time of not submitting to the Lord, that time is over. You need to know what the time it is, everybody, and it's time for you to wake up. <coughs> I wonder if anybody's listening to me. It's time to wake up. Turn, tell them to somebody, I mean, be sweet to them, but say, come on, wake up. It's just time to wake up, everybody. There's work to do. There's a mission that God has called us to. And we got to stop sleeping through the mission. We're so worried about what's going on with our bank account and with our kids and our household and our jobs. But there's people that are dying and going to hell, and we got to wake up to the mission. We need the fire of God to come down and ignite our hearts and our lives and every church in this nation and, and stop shrieking back in fear and get into the arena and witness the goodness of Jesus and the power of resurrection life. Come on, everybody, let's wake up. Come on, everybody, wake up. Let's go. And you do this because we know the time. And that is already the hour for us to awake from our sleep for our salvation. The fulfillment of our salvation is growing near. We are closer to the end than we ever have been before. And there's coming a day when you're not going to wake up anymore. Don't leave $10 million in your bank account. Invest what God has given you into the field. Wake up, embrace a mission, let's go. Everybody, I'm coughing. I'm just going to cough through this sermon. I'm sorry. I can't tone it down. We just got to go. We got to awaken. God has called us to something that is bigger than our own preferences and our own comfort and our own ease and our own money and our own life. We have a limited amount of time. You got to know the time. It is time now for you to wake up. Somebody needs to hear what you have witnessed. Somebody needs to be, you to be sent to them to share the good news of the kingdom. Stop staying in your upper room afraid of the crowd, afraid of somebody accusing you to be a Jesus follower. It's time to stand up and say, I'm, yes, I'm one. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm all in with Christ. I won't, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm happy to tell you. Scoff. Listen, scoff if you want to. Be skeptical if you want to. But I'm telling you, the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life was when I had an encounter with the risen Jesus who loved me and saved me and delivered me and gave me a hope and gave me a future. And I am happy and content to be in him.
Now, let me just tell you, this word neighbor is the same word Jesus used in Matthew 22 and whenever he told the prophecy or he told the parable in Luke chapter 10. It is the Greek word plesion. And it just simply literally means one who is near. And I want you to see this, everybody. Because Jesus was teaching us that we are to love those who are near. A lack of desire to care about others. And I want to talk to you today and answer that question, who is my neighbor? And I just want you to put this on the screen because the neighbor, first of all, is someone near. Every one of us has someone near. Someone near that needs Jesus. We... You, you, listen, you know that a lot of times whenever we come together in corporate worship, we sing and we exalt Jesus together. Sometimes we teach one another with what we sing. And it, it, this, is not un, this is not uncommon. The early, the early church did this. And they, they, would, they would sing scriptures. They would sing instructions. And, and we, we, we admonish one another with songs and with hymns. And we exhort and encourage one another with psalms. And that song that we were just singing... Uh, I, I was so inspired by that because, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm witness that Jesus has done for me. And if I keep it to myself, I might as well just be sleeping with $10 million in the bank. If I'm not going to share it, if I'm not going to use it, if I'm not going to serve with it. So the neighbors are near. Let me show you this. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul is speaking to the unsaved philosophers in Athens. They were high-minded people. They didn't know what they believed. They were just looking for truth. And so Paul meets with them, and he's trying to bring them into the revelation of Christ. And he says a few things. I want to just point it out. Verse 24, he says that the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and, he, and breath and all things. Verse 26, so God is sovereign, right? Verse 26, from one man, he, God, who doesn't need anybody or anything, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times. And not only did he determine when the people in all of history would be born, but he set the boundaries of where they would live. And verse 27, and he did this so they might seek God. Wow. And perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I, just, I want you to see, I don't know if you catch, caught this, I want you to catch it though, is that you are here by providence and by the choice of God. You were born in your date of birth because it was God's plan. And you were born into this nation in, and you are living in this city by the sovereign plan of God. You say, well, I just moved here because I liked it. Okay. 
and I think I'm going to leave. You might want to pray before you leave because you don't want to leave where God wants you to be because there's people that God wants you to invest what he's deposited in your account while you're awake. He wants you to invest it in them. And so don't run from the call of God because you don't want to be somewhere. Because God has set you where you are supposed to be. Does God move his people around? Oh, yeah. But that's God's doing. It shouldn't be our doing. It's high time that the church begins to be led by the Spirit and not led by their wants. I know I'm preaching this morning, everybody, but I'm just fired up about this. We can't be just led around by our wants. We can't be led around by our friends. Can't be led around by our mamas and daddies. And we certainly can't be led around like by our children. We need to parent our children and we need to lead them and make sure that they're listening to the Holy Spirit. Is anybody listening to me today? Listen, everybody, the church today has more literature, more media, more programs, more training for reaching others. <coughs> than any time in the history of the church. Right now, we are better equipped, we have everything that we need, and yet the church in America is declining. It's time for spirit-filled, on-fire people to wake up and know the time. The time is now. This is a time for you to awaken from your slumber. Now, when I think of someone that's near, I almost always think of someone who is near to what I share in common. Not just someone in the same locality, but someone that I'm rubbing shoulders with, someone that's in my oikos or in my world, in my, in my influence, something that we share in common. That's who your neighbor is. It's someone that God has set you into their world for the purpose so that when they wake up and want to seek God, there's somebody that can point the way. There's someone that can help, help answer some questions. Anybody listening to me? And so, yeah, God hasn't called you to force yourself upon people that don't want you. But you know what? When the power of God shows up in your life and you catch fire, then you are, people will be drawn to you. They're like, I want the real thing that's inside of you. Can I, I, I need to know who is it that you're serving? Why are you so excited about spiritual things? Tell me about this. Those are our neighbors. Our neighbors are not just someone who is near, but they are someone. Our neighbors are the people who are in need. Your neighbor is someone in need. And how do you love your neighbor? Romans 13 tells us one of the best ways to love our neighbor is just through kindness. Be kind. Be kind. I think sometimes that we don't have a balance of kindness and truth or love and truth. And can I, can I just tell you, if you're going to help lead somebody to Jesus, you have to go with the same spirit that Jesus operated in. And Jesus operated in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. He, he operated in love and truth. Is anybody with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like if all you have is boldness and you don't have love, then that's mean. And you'll come across as being arrogant and, and like you have all the answers. And you're going to turn people off because they're not impressed by your boldness. But when you add love into the mix and you lead with love, but what good is love with no boldness? 
you love somebody until they go to hell because you weren't ever bold enough to share them the gospel with them? How terrible would that be? That I just, oh, I just love my neighbors, and I'm hoping that they'll, I hope they'll understand the message of my love. They're not going to. The devil's got their minds blinded. We have to love, we have to be bold with love, and, and we have to tell them the truth with love, in love. Speak the truth in love. And this is the mission that God has called us to, is to deposit that. Someone who is in need, that's who my neighbor is. You know, the most famous parable of Jesus is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You guys know it. If you, if you don't, you really are unchurched, I mean, in a major way. I mean, I, I, I feel your pain. I was. As a teenager, had never read the Bible, didn't know anything about the parables or, the, or, or verses in the Word of God. But this is an incredible parable. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to, have, to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus answered correctly, right? He said, do this and live because that is the fullness of the law. They're made up. The whole law rests on these two things. Make God the priority of your life and then treat everybody right. That's why love fulfills the law. You love God, you love your neighbor. You've done this, do this and you will live. But the, but the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's the context of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he tells a story about the guy that was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. And they beat him, stripped him, took everything they had, left him, Jesus said, half, for half dead. So he, in Jesus' story, he's about dead. And then it says a priest walked by and then passed away on the other side. A Levite come by and passed away on the other side. And you guys know this story, right? But then the Samaritan, who was despised by the Jews, he sees the guy half dead, and he stops, binds up his wounds, gets out his pocketbook, takes some of that 10 million that he has in his account, and he uses to help this guy come back to life. And he, he leaves him, and he, even, he collects resources and medical help, and you know the story. And then Jesus says, to whom was the, who was the neighbor to the one that was in need? Now, you got that story. A couple things that really stand out to me. This is one of the things that I have noticed is that there are people who travel the same hard road of life that we travel. And you might navigate it through successfully, but others may just be stumbling and falling among thieves and robbers. Where you might not be beat up, others might be beat up. And here's one of the sad things that, you know, I said that your neighbor is the pe person that you're in proximity, people that you have something in common with. And so several years ago, I've always been looking not to be so insulated or inoculated against witnessing or evangelizing in the world because I've been pastoring this church for, you know, I've been in ministry for 44 decades. And it's like, <clears throat> I spend all my time on the demands of church people, but there's lost people I need to know. I need, I, I, I. I, I got to be with lost people because that's the heart of Jesus is to win the loss. 
And so the Lord opened up this door through my um, passion for the outdoors, hunting and fishing and all of that kind of stuff. And you guys, many of you know. So I work as a volunteer chaplain for this military organization. And the open doors into their world is my passion for the outdoors. But mixed with the fact that a lot of these guys and women, they honor the Lord. They're like, we would love to have a pastor that would just be part of this organization. Someone that could help us. I don't know how many times in meeting with these military people I have heard, Pastor, we love you, but we hate church. I'm just telling you, I've heard it uh, time and time again. I had the worst experience in church, and I tell you, and, and my church is the lake I'm on on Sunday morning, or my deer stand. I have a better relationship with God with just me and him in the outdoors. I understand where they're coming from, but you know what the reality is? is that some of these people showed up in church beat up, stripped, naked, needy. And they showed up in some church, and some Levite walked right by them. Some priests avoided them and looked the other way. And, they, and, and their woundedness was compounded by the lack of love and care where, that was not offered to them in the church. It happens here, not frequently, but it does happen. We, we fight against this all the time. We, every volunteer that we, that we raise up and we, we teach, it's like, you, listen, sometimes when people walk through this, these doors, listen to me, everybody, this is their one big day. I've seen it happen time and time again. They finally get up enough courage to come to church again. They finally say, you know what, let's try this church. We've heard some good things about it. Let's go. And so they get their family. They get up. They get ready. And if they walk through the doors and somebody snubs them, somebody's ugly to them, somebody scolds them because they're not checking in their kids right, somebody checks out the way they're dressed and is unhappy because they don't like the way that they're dressed, and and it just oozes out this arrogant, self-righteous, Levite, priestly spirit you leave people wounded. You leave people lying in the dirt and you are just avoiding them and you compound the woundedness. The neighbors are those who are wounded. And the church cannot, the church cannot be the source of pain. We have got to be the source of healing. And the church is you and me. It's not the organization. It's us. So who is the neighbor? It's the one who's near and it's the one who is in need. And we need to look for people who are on that same road. Okay, everybody? The Samaritan is on the same road, but he's got something to offer the wounded one. And, you know, I don't know if it's Jennifer Feltz here. Jennifer, are you here this morning? I don't think she is. I want to tell you about something that's happening right now because this is what I have found is that there are a lot of people that are in here in church that they have their own, they have ministries that God has called them to. They've, they've embraced an assignment. And there's something that's happening at the end of this month that I thought you might be interested in. Matt Feltz, who is a great brother, he's a member of our church. Matt and Jennifer Feltz, their family are members of our church. And Matt is um, a great big tall guy. And he's been in gospel music his entire life. In fact, Matt, uh, I'm going to introduce you to him at the end of this month. But, but Matt was 
the manager for Carmen. Does anybody remember Carmen? And Matt was manager for him for many years whenever Carmen passed away, very close to their family. So Matt has sung in all kinds of different gospel groups and that sort of thing. Well, he has a heart for the Lord, and there is a group of men that were previously in, in gospel music that have come together, and they have formed a, a, a group, a country group called Texas Star. I'm going to show you a picture of them. Put it up on the screen here, everybody. So Matt's the big tall guy with the black hat. And so let me tell you what happened. Matt shared his, the vision for this group with me a few months ago. And he said, Pastor, this is what we feel like God is calling us to do, is to go into the, go into the, the country music arena and entertain, but to bring our testimony, to bring our witness. And that our commitment is that we're not going to uh, sing slutty music, and we're not going to celebrate drinking and boozing and adultery, but there are a lot of people that want to hear good country music, and these are all believers, and now what has happened for them is they have become accepted as the official band of the rodeo circuit throughout all of America. So they have contracts that they, they're, they're, they're right now working on their contracts. And Matt said, do you think Christian life would become our home church and would initiate and send us forth into this mission field, into the world of rodeo, country and western music, all over Texas? Do you think that we would do that? I don't know. Does anybody, is anybody too self-righteous or too holy to do that? Because I'm not. I'm like, yeah, let's just bring it. So on the last Sunday of this month, they're going to be here, and their group is going to be here, and we're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to pray, and we're going to send them out on that day. And they're going to be singing in venues that you probably wouldn't be that comfortable in. And they're going to be singing to drunk people, and they're going to be singing to all this, but, they're, but they're, there's already... Uh, several of the bars that already have booked them in uh, Texas, they have already said, we don't care if you talk about Jesus. Just be who you are. Let me tell you something. God's going to use this. It's high time that Christians stop shrinking back and giving over the world of entertainment to a bunch of godless, heathen people, and we need to get into that arena. I know, I, know, I know churches are so legalistic that, they, that, 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 that there are people that shrink away from that. But, we, but in our sleeping and slumbering, we've yielded media over to the devil. We've given the entertainment world over to the devil. And the majority of people in the sports arena, they're ungodly people that have influence over this generation. The entire education has been given over to the devil. I'm just telling you, we've abdicated our responsibilities and the political world is infected with the disease of the, uh, of the Antichrist. It's time in these last days that the church wakes up and gets into the arena and starts sharing what they have witnessed. Jesus is alive and resurrection life is powerful and redeems people from their heart ache and their misery. So you look for people who are wounded. Who is your neighbor? Let's look for people that are wounded. I have spent so much time talking to people 
who have said this to me. It's like, we like you, but we don't like church. I'm like, well, I kind of like church. I've committed my life. To me, the local church is the answer to the, to the world. Because it is within the local church that Jesus said, promised it to build that the gates of hell will be, that, that will be kicked down. And so the church is important. But there are times when I have to undo. It's like, okay, listen, if you love me but you don't love church, can you realize that the devil is trying to get you distracted? There are, church is filled with people just like me that, that are the real deal. Like that's what they say. You, you, well, why do you like me? Well, because you're the real deal. Well, I'm the real deal because I like to hunt and fish like you? Well, no, but yeah, you like to do what I like to do, but you, know, you don't push Jesus down my throat and you're not condemning me all the time. I'm like... That's the Jesus that we serve. Listen, there are unchurched people all around us who have been wounded in church. They live in your neighborhoods. You work with them. You go to school with them. Your kids are best friends with their kids. And they need you to share what you have witnessed. Can I just tell you this? And we don't need to disappoint them. If you're ever going to point somebody to Jesus, you don't need to disappoint them. With being condemning and arrogant and inconsistent. It's time that we wake up. I'll just give you one more thing, everybody. I think that your neighbor is the person that's near and it's the person that is in need. And it is the person that's not yet reached. And there's a bunch of them. And this is what God has called us to do. You know, even as a pastor, I have so many challenges that distract and consume my time. And I'm reminded of 2 Timothy chapter 4. In fact, this passage of Scripture just, it, it just, I'm not going to say it haunts me, but it's highlighted in my life. I'm going to close by just sharing this with you. The, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking to young Timothy, and Paul is about to finish his race. He knows he's going to die soon, and he's going to go be with the Lord. And he says this to Timothy kind of one of his farewell things that he's writing in the second, second letter. And he's like, Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. <sighs> Are you, that's, a, that's a pastor's assignment. That's a lot of work. Teach, rebuke, correct, be patient, encourage. It's a lot of work. He said, because the time's coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they'll suit their own to suit their own desires, they'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers that will teach them what their itching ears want to hear. This is the apostate church in America today. They're just surrounding themselves with a bunch of people who are, have watered down the gospel and who don't believe the word of God, and they've compromised their faith, and they're okay with that. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the truth. Verse 4, they will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you... Here's the word, keep your head in all situations. So, that's a good word when you're dealing with, with unsaved people, people that are wounded, people that are not yet reached. Keep your head in all situations. If you don't, if you blow up with them or if you lose your witness with them, it's hard to get influence back with them. So the church, this is a word for the church. It, this is a season we need to keep our head in all situations. Don't be baited into fights and arguments and railing and, fight and, and quarreling. Endure hardships. 
That's another good word for the church today because you're going to go through some stuff. So endure hardships. Don't whine. Don't complain. Don't fall apart. Don't lie. Don't be that person at work that's always whining about how hard life is. Endure hardships. Is it okay? I'm pastoring us. And then he says, do the work of the evangelist. Why does he have to say that? Because I think ministering in a church, ministering to one another, it comes natural. It's in our wheelhouse. It's kind of what we're bent for. But when we forget, there are people outside these walls. And we have to do the work of evangelists. That is, we have to share our faith with them, our neighbors, and even the nations. So this is the word to me as the lead pastor of this church. Let's minister to the church body and let's do it well, but let's keep our head. Let's endure hardship and let's do the work of the evangelists. Let's discharge the duties of our ministry because as Paul said in verse 6, 7, and 8, because there's a day we're going to come stand before God and the reward of our life is going to be handed out. There will be a judgment day. And listen, everybody, I don't, I'm not I'm just trying to beat you up. I don't want to make you fearful. Uh, be, because, because the, but the judgment of all believers, you, one day you're going to stand and you're going to give an account for that $10 million, so to speak. You know I'm speaking metaphorically, right? You're, you're going to give an account for what was deposited in your, in your account. And did you sleep? Or were you awake and using it? And the Lord is going to honor every glass of water, every, every word of testimony, every act of kindness, Every person that was wounded that you helped pick up. And anybody that, listen, it's not, your, it's not your job to save people, but you can point them to Jesus. He puts you in these relationships for a purpose. And it's time for us to wake up. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. Tell somebody, just wake up. Romans 13, 11, and do this because we know the time. And that it is already the hour to awake from our sleep because our salvation is nearer than ever. This is what I want you to do. I just, I, I just want you to get still before the Lord. If, listen, if you're not right with God and you need to get saved, come see me afterwards. I'd love to pray for you to get right with God. And you can give your heart to the Lord Jesus today. I'd love, to, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to get somebody that will do it with you right here. I'm talking to believers today. Unbelievers, I only got one word for you. Jesus. Here's another word. Now. Jesus now. And we'll help you. To believers, I want you just to close your eyes. Would you just for a moment. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit. To show you a face with a name. A face and a name. Maybe there's three. Maybe the ticker tape is going off and you're seeing a bunch. God's placed you in that relationship. So I'm commissioning you today to the Great Commission. Go. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest thing that happened to you was Jesus. Love them enough to want Jesus for them. And if there's an openness, this is a great season for maybe you not just to go and tell, but maybe to say, come and see. This is a healthy, thriving congregation that loves people. And if you had enough love and boldness to get them here on Easter Sunday, I can guarantee you they will not be beat up, they will not be wounded, they will not be neglected, and we will speak to them with love and kindness, and we will share the gospel with them. Father, I pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody in here that's just been wounded, and they so relate to that and say, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm still laying here in the di ditch, People have been walking all around me. If that's you, I love you. I want to help you. Let me know that you're wounded. I'm, I'm going to help you. But I'm praying, Lord, for the Samaritan neighbors. And I'm speaking to the Le Levites and the priests that they would humble themselves and, and go to those that are in need. And, Lord, I'm praying for an awakening in us. Peter denied you. You rebuked him so many times, Lord. But you called him and never quit on him. And when he was filled with the Spirit of God, wow, he witnessed it. Hey, if you want this bold anointing to be a witness for Jesus, and you have faith even to believe for signs and wonders to follow as you are sharing the love of God, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray. Look, these are our missionaries, Lord. These are missionaries called with a mission. And we're saying, yes, Lord, here we are. Send us today. Send us. Come on, we're going to exhort one another with this song that Sean and Marlena were so graciously sang us. We're just going to sing this. Don't leave yet. Let's have a moment and let's exhort one another with this song and then Sean's going to release us into our mission. Okay, everybody. God bless you. Love you. Come on, let's sing this together.